This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Frontline Gaming presents 40K Stat Center with your host, Val Heffelfinger and the Falcon. The last time Americans treated us this badly on our own soil, we burned down the White House. We swing by the Canhammer Team Tournament to survey the damage. Meanwhile, in Belgium, they were serving up Team 40K with a side of freights. Check out the Belgian Team Championships to see who managed to outdraw their opponents. Hey, what do you know? Dark Angels bring the dank in Colorado. <laughs> Excellent read, Paul. Finally, we find a creative way to talk about all the Iron Hands winners from last weekend. That's right, folks. This is Stat Center. Oh, I really love that new element. Pete, Pete wrote it into the last show, guys. What do you think? I almost, I literally almost said Sports Center there, and we're probably going to get a cease and desist letter. Monday night, Monday night. That's right. yeah. <laughs> we just, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> no, definitely not, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. In case you haven't noticed, the Falcon has flown the coop. Not sure if Falcons live in coops, but he's not here. So, uh, so this is this is when 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 Pete's away. Quality controls out the window. So today we brought the most uh, talented extemporaneous talkers in 40K. Uh, of course, the first one on the docket would be my main man, the Paul Murphy. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. And then the unsung hero of the Las Vegas Open, the man behind all of that information being fed to you on our stream. He was perhaps the first Gorilla Table Boss in 40K history, the Telemundo of Warhammer streaming, Tony Sir Panda Pants. Welcome to the show, sir. Val, thanks for having me. You know, only you could make a job like that sound so glorious. Well, there have already been a lot of love-in episodes about just how much we care for one another after going through uh, the, the crucible that was streaming the Las Vegas Open. So we don't have to do that here today. But Being birthed I, into this world. That's right. <laughs> Paul Murphy has a tattoo of, of Stat Center now on his butt. He's very committed. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, it, it, it was wonderful. And in, in sort of the spirit of that vibe of togetherness and, and, and you know brotherhood, this will be the first Circle Jerk episode in Stat Center history. Now, not to be too harsh, but... Did create the show with Peter in an effort to not just have talking heads trying to guess at what happened at various tournaments uh, that have been occurring, uh, but this is ex this is exactly what we're going to do this week. I didn't get many interviews together. We have one very special one uh, after the team tournament coverage. But guys, are are you ready to kick it old school and just make up some stuff about what people were thinking when they took what they took? <laughs> I thought that was my job. I mean, I would love to dip my foray into this because I've gotten a lot of questions just by posting these, and guys, we're just going to wing it. I have no idea. I'm just going to tell you anything. See, he's just going to say, I mean, he is a panda with pants on, so, you know, um, your mileage may vary. We'll, we'll, we're going to see how this goes. Uh, any any last words before we, we bump this and we're, we're off to the races, guys? Uh, how'd Iron Hands do? 
tournament news is made possible by bestcoastpairings.com. Download the BCPTO app to organize events for just about any tabletop game system. Download the player app to easily find and participate in events from around the world. Around the world. Subscribe to BCP for as little as $5 a month to support the team and unlock additional features available for iOS and Android. Bestcoastpairings.com. Competitive events. Easier. All right, folks. Well, we're going to kick it off with coverage of what turned out to be one of the most hilarious one-sided drubbings, I think, that has ever happened. That's right. We're talking about the Canhammer Team Tournament. Once upon a time, a delightful springtime romp out here in southwestern Ontario. Uh, subsequently moved to southeastern Ontario in the dead of winter. This did not dissuade a certain crew of evil Americans from descending upon this tournament hosted as Capital City Bloodbath is at the uh, EY Center right across the street from the airport. Which Americans showed up for this one, Panda Pants? That would be everyone from the Charity Hammer team. team. That's correct. Uh, such luminaries on it include, oh, I don't know, Andrew Gagno. Uh, we had um, Colin Sherman, we had Nick Nanavani, we had John Lennon, and, you know, just because that wasn't enough, they decided, hey, uh, Mr. Siegler, why don't you hop in this clown car of nightmares and come along with us? See, that's you know, what happens. American droll up, they ring a flag, uh, but bring some also some unconventional list. I mean, you know, what was the mission format for the tournament? So this tournament was running, and by the way, it was about 20 teams, so actually quite the, actually larger than that. They may, they may have actually, I know they were pushing for 26 or 28 teams. Um, they were running the ETC format, which they do. This is uh, originally started as sort of a, 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 a practice tournament for Team Canada, <laughs> and they got some practice this time. Um, so yeah, it was ETC format. It was, uh, I believe, six rounds. And the teams were each, however, five people on each team instead of uh, instead of eight, as it would be in the actual ETC. And in a team tournament, of course, you're facing off against teams. You're going through a bit of a pairing scenario uh, to uh, to figure out what your matchups are round to round. Leave it to Florida to come up with the Miami Heat of 40k teams. <laughs> this is ridiculous. It is it is it is the Harlem Globetrotters, and they did go up against a lot of the Washington Generals out there. Uh, but yeah, let's let's maybe break down a couple of these lists because I think they are representative of sort of the pre-most recent Psychic Awakening post. Actually, I think it wasn't even, I, I'm not even sure if the Grey Knights one was in effect here. Um, but uh, yeah, Paul, did, did any of these lists particularly jump out of you? The meme list of, of the winter so far, the, uh, the uh, Ridge Runner Gene Steeler cult list did make an appearance. John Lennon Yeah, that's having a, a bit of a, a sweetheart tail with the Ridge Runners coming out of basically ultimate obscurity and then actually doing pretty well at some notable tournaments, uh, getting their debut, I think, probably at the, at the Las Vegas Open. But the, the one uh, that sticks out the most to me, uh, I think of the uh, maybe novelty is a bad word, but the Sisters of Battle list run by Andrew Gagneau. That's right. And I believe a similar archetype to what he was running also at the Las Vegas Open. Um, this one is... Just to, just to refresh everyone out there, it's a battalion of uh, Sisters of Battle. Uh, so you've got uh, you know three units of Battle Sisters. Looks to be about uh, ten in each one of those units. Uh, you've got uh, an elite Imagifier, and you got three units of Seraphim. 
uh, with four hand flamers in each. Uh, they are of all of the Valor's heart. And then you have a Vanguard detachment also. Yeah. Go ahead. This is this doesn't take anything away from the list though. This this list is supported by Blood Angels, which you know the are they are the backbone of the Imperium. But there's we're running close to to twenty Sanguinary Guard, nineteen to be specific, and then Mephiston, who is just an all around champion. That's right. And actually, this just triggered my memory. I do believe this part is uh, is a shift away from what he was originally pairing with the sisters. He was originally pairing, I do believe, uh, some uh, Space Marine artillery as well as a, a character dread. So this one uh, it just goes with, with the beady uppy types of, uh, of things. Now, you love your Sanguinary Guard. How do you think they pair with uh, the types of Sisters units that are being presented here? Well, what's, what's missing from the Sisters of Battle side that I think you would see in, in a mono-faction list are things like the Exorcist. Uh, so what the Sanguinary Guard allow you to do is support all the shenanigans, you know, the miracle points and the, the re-rolling wounds and 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 whatnot that the uh, Zera, uh, Zephyrim from the Sisters of Battle side can do uh, with these hard-hitting two-plus armor save guys uh, that can move the same speed. So you're able to to put a lot of pressure on your opponent, uh, but you're giving up a lot of the shooting. But I think you make up for it with some additional synergies of adding in layers of things, you know, with the stratagems that the Blood Angels can burn to almost recycle or put their troops anywhere, their infantry anywhere. I also think it's pretty helpful as a defense to just have 50 bodies of a mobile screen if you need to. Um, the Sisters of Alice Heart can actually take some serious punishment if they're put in cover. If you, do have, if you have no AP there, that's two up saves. Shifting gears over to Colin Sherman's list, and he has gone into detail about how uh, destructive he feels that the Eldar are. Eldar are, that's a hard thing to say, post-Psychic <laughs> Awakening. Uh, essentially, they got masterful shots and expert crafters, so they're super, super efficient. Regardless, he's talked about the list at length on his show, uh, Best in Faction Podcast. He has described this as if, 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 if Space Marines didn't exist, the sort of shooty Craft Worlds Eldar type list uh, that he's running here would be the tyrannical list of 40k. What do you guys think of the damage output uh, and potential ability of this? We are, we're running uh, you know, Crimson, three Crimson Hunter Exarchs with the um, Masters of Concealment and Expert Crafters. Uh, we're running a Spearhead Detachment with three Night Spinners and um, nine Vibro Cannons. Uh, also with expert crafters and masterful shots. And then you just have a, a, a battalion detachment, again, with the expert crafters and masterful shots. And that one's got uh, three units of, of rangers. Haven't seen those guys in a while. Uh, and two wraith lords. Uh, other than his just uh, fuel for command points and the battalion, everything here is spitting out multiple damage, which is which is really nice. The night spinners are things that they see fringe play, but they do indirect shots damage too. I mean, it's it can be incredibly withering uh, to be on the other side of that. It's uh, it's like a souped up uh, thunderfire cannon for anybody out there who might not be be aware. Yeah, night spinners are strength seven. They're AP zero. Um, they're damage two. However, on a six to wound, they're minus four. And with masterful shots, they're ignoring cover already. So it's quality output. Yeah, and two d six. What two d six shots each time? Yes. Yeah. The the, the crimson hunter X arcs are a little bit of old tech. Uh, but they can be lots of different places. Uh, you can get angles of fire on people. It's very difficult to outmaneuver them and outmaneuver the the other powerful shots he has in his army. 
and I love that. You can't forget the nine Vibro Cannons. So they're heavy D3, strength seven, minus one, two damage, flat two damage. And for each one that has already been fired at the same target this phase, you improve the AP of the weapon by one to a maximum of three and adding one to the wound rolls to a maximum of two. So you can get these things are strength seven at a plus two to wound <laughs> and minus three. <laughs> yes. And it's for each Vibro Cannon, right? So like that's... That means that you yeah, know, that's been fired. Doesn't have to hit. It doesn't have to wound. Doesn't it's have to just be from the fired. same group of three. You know, do yeah. they? They split. I assume actually they split off in other units when they're deployed. They We're, do actually because they're support weapons. Yeah. So the 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 ridiculousness of a vibro cannons was sort of a rumor. I feel I feel like people were talking about vibro cannons in maybe December or November. Um, I think I'll, I saw it at least once in December. Um, Alex Ramsey. Right, Paul. Have you? Uh, I mean, you once. Uh, tried to warn me of the oncoming shredder meta. Uh, <laughs> what what do you think about vibro cannons? I mean, uh, greater or or worse than uh, you know, like orc smash guns? I, I think this is one of those things that exist uh, in the in the um, environment of a team tournament more than it would be a singles competition. Uh, I think that with the with the list makeup with this particular one, uh, it's it's a it's a bit of a hot potato. No one wants to face this. No one is probably geared up to face this. Certainly not um, turn two. Yeah, this is a go first, yeah. win first kind of list. Yeah, I think this is... Um, so the viral cannon meta, I, I wouldn't necessarily plan for it. Uh, I think Eldar, people are familiar with their tricks, but maybe this is exactly what is needed to to mix it up a little bit. Uh, I mean, the, the, the night... What is it? The night spinners? That's been a known quantity I said on the fringe. Nobody's expecting the vibro cannons. Uh, I, I, I don't know that you're going to see it, but, you know, yeah. it isn't bad. <laughs> that ain't bad. And then finally, uh, like I said, just as sort of like a little kicker, a little toss-in, uh, world champion, uh, Mr. Richard Siegler, running uh, a little chestnut list of his own, a, a throwback to his glory days, known as September. Um <laughs> He's running. He's running his uh, almost his OG Tau list. Some very minor variations. This one has a battalion, so he's running some breachers in there. He's got a, a Cold Star Commander with four fusions instead of three enforcers. Uh, but then he's got the three Riptides and as many drones as he can cram in there. Um, not a lot to talk about. I, I mean, the 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 role this must play, obviously, in in an in an ETC format, is just that sort of defender grinder list. I I would suspect because I mean that's what he was doing with it for the second half of the season. No, he certainly coined this list, and, uh, and it's known for his power, and he knows the ins and outs of it. So a dangerous player with any list, as we've seen, but I would say especially with this one. Oh, yes. The amount of reps he has with this list is easily in the hundreds. So I could see, and, and this is where we're going to get a little circle jerky, because we're going to guess at what all these lists did. But, you know, as a pretty layman dude, I can see, you know, obviously this list and probably maybe even the, the, the sisters list as, as the sort of defender anvil type lists that are going to grind out wins if they need to. I'm going to get into the, whether they were grinding anything um, in a second. But where do you think, you know, and obviously you've got a very traditional alpha strike, heavy, blow them off the board, light terrain table type list like the Eldari one. Uh, and then there's the Tyranids list. Where do you think the Tyranids list sort of fit into this? Were they just 
Like, ah, whatever, John, you can bring your Tyranids. We're just having well, fun. Well, it's Tyranids and Gingler Cult, so this has the Ridge Runners in it. So there, it can be lots of different places. You, ha- you have a decent amount of firepower, and you've got the Swarm Lord, which allows you to put a lot of pressure on people. So, I mean, I think I think there there's a the, if there's a theme between at least three of these lists, it is to it, it is to make it very difficult for people to settle in and prepare to kind of throw people on their back foot in the early couple of turns. Right on. Um yeah, what do you think? What do you think, Panda Pants? Where do the Gene Steeler Cults and the and the Nids fit in? It's really going to depend on what the other team brought, um, because this could easily be a first out list just to say, "Hey, this is what we got," and see if anybody has anything to deal with it. But there's also a list of this list that does not want to see. Um, surprisingly, it's not what you think. It's surprisingly good against a lot of mech, against a lot of flyers. Um, it can take care of that of itself in that environment. So, yeah, I'd throw it out just to see if the other team even thought they could deal with it. All right, so we've we've mentioned that that this team uh, had a bit of a lulzy run throughout uh, r- throughout the event, and in fact they did. I believe they finished uh, the event with 100 more uh, battle points than anyone else. Uh, they got things going uh, in the first round against Wargame Sherbrooke with a 98 to two uh, win. Way to go with that two points there, Wargame Sherbrooke. <laughs> Uh, and then we had uh, Charity Hammer against the Fighting Cephalopods, a great group of guys. They went down swinging 100 to nothing. And then uh, the next round, we've got, uh, this is it. This is the title match, guys. This is the best, probably the best team that Canada was running uh, this year. Charity Hammer versus Can Hammer. Can Hammer gets on the board, but it's a Charity Hammer win, 72 to 28. Now, uh, I'm sure Nick Nunavati cannot see at this point because uh, we're, we're going over overnight now. <laughs> Somehow they all make it the next day because they don't need a fifth player. Charity Hammer takes on 40K un- Unfiltered. Some of my homies on that team for sure. Uh, 40K Unfiltered uh, was filtered 93-7. to seven. And then finally, rounding it all out, we've got Charity Hammer versus Team Re- Rejects. Um, also a great group of guys. However, they go down 81 to 19. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Is, that is nuts. That is, a, that is a drubbing. That's, I mean, look, the skill of these players, you got, you got to say that, right? Uh, but these lists, they, they have the ability to be offensive and defensive. Like you're just talking about being able to audible into a two plus save. Uh, the, the, what is their, their lowest toughness, lowest armor save list still has access to things like lightning fast reactions. I mean, there's they they can they can play either side of the table, uh, which is I think probably helps shine out. Uh, and, and you also mentioned there, you know, the twenty something teams. That's still a hundred something people playing. Oh yeah, forty uh, k that weekend. But looking over some of the list, I don't see that type of duality in uh, s- some of the choices that some of these teams brought. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. I mean, this is this is a pretty pretty a team, and uh, I'm glad at least that the team that gave them the, the hardest hardest run for their money was probably members of Team Canada. So that's great. Uh, I mean, this this literally is like alternate timeline Team America. So uh, you know, and it does have some actual players from Team America on it as well. So it's uh, it's it was one heck of a dream team. I'm glad they made the trip up. Nick Nanavati went to Ottawa in February which uh, is like going to the Arctic in February uh, without a jacket because he lives in Florida now. So way to go, Nick. 
Another interesting thing about these lists is that uh, these aren't these don't seem to be tailored for the mission format. The, the missions are not ITC missions that uh, that the, a lot of these lists have have been popularized popularized in. Uh, they just seem to be doing well, no matter what the objectives are. Yeah, I mean, well, even so. Even something though like the vibro cannon list, I mean, it would probably be vulnerable to a lot of ITC secondaries uh, that it maybe doesn't worry about as much in in an ETC format. I will say Collins' list is the is the most unconventional that I've seen. I've not seen this list perform, you know, and take a take a number one slot at a podium before. It could be just because I'm sleeping on it, but uh, you know, I think that would be the probably the the longest shot. Uh, but he seemed to do really well with it, right? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, to beat this it, drum just a little bit more, sometimes this is almost mirrored in the orc smash a gun thing, how it took a while to gain traction in America because I think of ITC um, and eventually the power, I think, of the list overcame just the fact that, hey, oh, my gosh, you should give up secondary sometimes. Yeah. Or even primary with Kilmore if you start getting on a roll with all those individual things. And just to correct the record, because Colin Sherman maybe tunes in every now and again, I'm pretty sure you won a GT with one of these. Uh, just in the uh, like late fall, like just before Christmas, it could be. I mean, it it just takes a slight bit of luck in in your in whatever your worst matchup is, and this list will stomp in the ground because you've got so much uh, reliable two damage weaponry. Oh yeah, it's uh, reliable sometimes high AP uh, multiple multiple damage weaponry. Yeah, yeah it's got it's, all the tools out, out of line of sight shooting too. It's uh, it's nasty. So with that all said, Charity Hammer, uh, not too charitable on its first trip north, and perhaps maybe they'll come back well, for... Unless uh, you've you know, given out whoopings. <laughs> yeah. Seemingly for free. <laughs> That's right. They, uh, they maybe, may, maybe, they bought, maybe they bought their opponent's beer. Who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to find out by tuning into BiffPod. So you heard what we said, but you can also go down to BiffPod. I'm pretty sure they released just today a nice episode with John Lennon. Uh, Nick Nanavati and uh, Mr. Richard Siegler talking about their experience with Colin on BiffPod. So without further ado, we're going to move on to the next event. Tournament news. This is Colin. This is Mitch. This is Chuck. And we're from the Best in Faction podcast, and you're listening to 40K Stat Center, where one host has a really strange nickname and the other one's called The Falcon. We now turn our attention to Europe, specifically Belgium. Yes, that's right, the seat of the European Union itself, the land of wheat beer and frites. Did you know, guys, that French fries come from Belgium? Makes sense. Does sure, it though? why not? Does it, though? Because literally, they only, like, literally every single thing that they serve is served with French fries, and I, and I appreciate it at least, some mayonnaise. Um, it's also the land of Tom Adriani, who's, uh, who's leading up portion of the WTC, and he has been leading the charge at organizing a sort of pre-WTC, formerly ETC, uh, turn- team tournament. Uh, this one is, of course, using the WTC format. I think we said ETC all the way through the previous segment. We're going to roll with it regardless. I didn't, don't know if you guys know. Listen, listen to Chapter Tactics last week. Turns out they broke up. Um, regardless, Tom has been uh, helping organize or leading the charge on this event in Belgium. It attracts a lot of uh, players from the national teams on in England, France. I believe they've got uh, definitely Poland, who uh, who manage a podium finish here. Unsurprisingly, the Poles are very good at this Warhammer stuff. 
So they all come out. This one was a six-person team rather than five, so they, they pared it down from the eight-person team that usually played it in WTC format, and then they had at her. After five rounds, I do believe, uh, we had two teams on eight battle points. In the team format, normally you get two points for a win, one point for a draw, no points for a loss. So we had two teams on eight points. One, the England Lions, and the other, the representatives from Poland, simply named Poland, uh, both on eight points, which meant three wins and two draws. And uh, I do believe perhaps they should have recalibrated what a draw was, maybe, after the uh, dropping of two teams from the normal format. I don't know. I'm not a mathematician. Caring about points is um, more of a Western concept. Well, it, I actually really enjoy this because the first tiebreaker in this battle points, uh, sorry, the first tiebreaker is actually win-loss in this tournament, not battle points, which was cool. Because actually the uh, the third place team is a Team England team. Uh, third place, by the way, uh, managed with one win, three draws, and one loss. So reach for those stars, guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think you're right. You know, where they were uh, still calculating the scores of the point differential, what what might have been for a uh, extra people on the team, accounting for extra, maybe a potential extra scores, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, what was the spread? Twenty points was a tie. It would be something like that. Maybe it was ten. I don't know. Look, this is the circle jerk episode, guys. Just say something with conviction, and that's the truth. Gray nights. The Grey Knights, you're going to see, I mean, how how cool is it we get to talk about them legitimately uh, going forward? I mean, this has been a completely unrepresented faction, uh, only talked about in fantasy uh, and the things that hopes and dreams are made of. That's right. And now people are actually playing them. Well, there was the well, Eric Lathuris dream run. We're never going to forget it. Um, Eric Lathuris forever. Uh, of course, in Australia, he did win a GT. But you're right. The captain. I, the I like dread to point out, ca- also a myth. That happened one time. No one can verify. <laughs> it was on stream. I watched it. <laughs> Not, nothing. You know, I never saw it. It didn't Apparently, happen. Australian Land Raiders, man. This is what doesn't show down in Australia. You show up with your plaster Paris large foot, and I'm just supposed to believe that that happened. <laughs> Bush. So, no, of course, no. Like, I, yeah, I, I do. I'm not going to diminish his win, but even that was, I think, um, like uh, you know, lightning in a bottle kind sure, of thing. Absolutely. This is we're now going to be able to 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 actually talk about them. Yes, and the reason why Paul Murphy has, has created this segue is because the dread captain, Josh Roberts, who uh, who is leading the England Lions and actually wound up winning the event. He was running Grey Knights. I'm going to have to assume, obviously, Psychic Awakening is in play for, for the Belgian team championships. Uh, let's have a look here, see. Uh, he's running a double battalion, which is pretty cool. He's running a, a total of six strike squads. Very cool. Where, where are the points here? We got an apothecary. And, oh, there's the points. Uh, we got uh, 19 paladins or maybe the full 20. That's 19, yeah. So there you go. It's a double paladin. He's going. He went with the baker. He went with a full baker here. <laughs> uh, the, the amount of Nemesis warding staves, uh, pretty interesting here. I, I think I would have expected to see more, uh, a little bit of more offense, but I guess you don't need it when you can pump out 20-something mortal wounds a turn. Right, exactly. And the amount of Stormbolter shots is... I really would have gone more with Falchions, but it seems he went with Halberds on the Strike Squads. Um, yeah, this is sort of uh, interesting. I've seen the, the staves being used on 
you know, Paragons or Justicars just to give, you know, one one guy who can tank with the invuln that they provide. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen them out in such uh, such force <laughs> before. Uh, the Halberds, I mean, of course, it's impossible to know inside the mind of the player, but the Halberds could be a modeling choice you know, the, on the on the strike squads. I, I don't consider them necessarily throwaway models because of that, but you know, with, with one wound and and the uh, the fragility of just you know, how do you say it? with just the the paper nature of a three plus armor save, you know, they are kind of like dump and pump figures. Yeah, absolutely. Looking elsewhere in the list here for some wrinkles uh, uh, versus what what Lawrence. Uh, had a good showing with the other weekend. We've got, uh, you know, six total of six um, characters on, on the field. So we've got uh, the brother captain, Grandmaster Voldus, of course. I think he'll be a pretty standard choice. A chaplain, a librarian, and uh, the brother da- Brotherhood Ancient here would be uh, sort of an interesting add. Um, nothing listing uh, whether or not he was taking the uh, relic banner, but... These six smites ain't what it used to be. Uh, I wonder uh, what he's using. The, he's also got warp shaping on the Brotherhood a- Ancient, so maybe he's just chilling in the back zone with him. Uh, next up, we got Tom Higginbottom. He's not running an orc list like the one that we described earlier. He's uh, He's got more of a boys-heavy presence and Gretchen. Uh, so what do we got here? We got one, two, three, four, five, six units of uh, of boys. Almost maxed out on all of those. And then we've got, looks like 75 Gretchen in three units. Triple battalion. It's just a whole lot of, this is a, this is a uh, infantry body carpet. 75 Gretchen. That's 15 more Gretchen than you and I painted. Wow. That's right. It's, it's a lot of Gretchen. Um, I have 120. I can't keep up with these wild orc builds these days with their, what they call grot car- carpets. Yeah, this is very. I was gonna say this is very similar to Eric Lathoris's um, Gant carpet, but with better shooting in combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can run it, and I don't know how long the round times were here, but WTC round times are four hours, so you can do stuff like this if you choose. Uh, anyone else want to run down a list? We've got Chaos. I'm not too uh, knowledgeable on the Dark Powers. Yeah, Paul. Uh, so I was just asking about this. Uh, we're looking at. Um, a battalion of Emperor's Children with Noise Marines. Uh, we've got a battalion of the Alpha Legion uh, with 20 Possessed and three Obliterators, and then Demon Battalion with two Pox Ringers and three Units and Nerglings. And Paul had to remind me what Noise Marines did. It's Strength 4, AP 0, 1 damage, but they're three shots each with all the chaos ways to get plus 1 to wound and plus 1 to hit, um, and exploding 6s and all that. It's just a lot of shots coming out of those guys. Uh, they're basically like a um, a vehicle for stratagems. So that they, he doesn't have them at the, in the quantity, maybe that because you can have big fat units of these. You can have, uh, I think, up to twenty of them in a in a squad. Now it does get very point intensive, so yeah, it leaves leaves some uh, some holes in your list potentially. Uh, but they are you get to put in the the stratagem that lets them fire twice. Uh, of course, everything is a is a uh, is a vehicle for veterans of the long war uh, to get those bonuses in combat, so they can be quite killy. And he's got the blastmaster on these. Uh, uh, which is the heavy version, a strength A D3 shots, uh, or an assault D6 version. It's, it's almost even better than the, he's got the obliterators in here as well. So you have multiple ways yeah. to split 
you don't have to dump everything into one unit. And of course, you got the big fat unit possessed. That yeah, that's that's layered. Everything so people, uh, people are can can cage up, you know, to, to how do they get around the obliterators or how do they go forward and, and, and mess with your uh, noise marines? It's it, it's not a very good choices for your opponent. What do you guys make of the little little battalion uh, at the end here? This little dollop of uh, of Nurgle. You got two pox bringers and nine Nurglings. So those are going to be for powers. He's got the mark of Nurgle on the possessed, so he can cast the Nurgle powers on him of uh, Miasma of Pestilence for minus one to hit. Mm. Um, and then he could also cast uh, Blades of Putrefaction, I think, on them uh, for a, a plus one to wound, I think. He's also got vir- Virulent Blessing on one of them as well. Uh, yeah. All right. I'll have to look look up exactly what the virulent blessing does, but the uh, yeah this this is uh, like a triple threat. You know the the noise marines give you some nice backfield support. You know their their weapons uh, they can move and fire right, but they're they're mostly uh, uh, twenty four inch or give them a thirty four inch or sorry a thirty inch threat range. Uh, but then you've got these possessed that are you know put stack up all these minuses to hit. Like what do you shoot at? What do you try to shoot at? You have to whittle down the possessed. Uh, they're they're not attracted to shoot at. Uh, and then you've got things coming in all around the board, like in the form of the obliterators that are that are you know with, with a little bit of favorable rolling going to could collapse a flank all by themselves. Yeah, even even hiding one of these units um, with the Alpha Legion stratagem that you can't shoot, it gives it the character protection. But it doesn't matter which one he uses it on. You don't have enough shots usually to take care of the rest of these threats. Yeah. Agreed. The mass possession there kicking up some defensive powers. Also, uh, yeah, it's a tough nut to crack. Right. Chaos is a, is a solid contender of things. We even saw that play out at the LVO with uh, one of them trying to crack their way into the to the top eight, uh, you know, with with several different pilots. Shout out TJ Lanigan. Yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those situations to where I think they're they're uh, they're outclassed in, in some of the the higher caliber uh, codexes, but only just barely, uh, and in a team environment they can really thrive. And I think that's probably part of the success here. Yeah, absolutely. I, team environments are a lot of fun uh, just just because you can get rid of worst matchups. Uh, and uh, sometimes your role is just not to lose too badly. If you if you get one of those bad matchups, if you can grind out a few points, that can save your team. That can turn a, a loss into a draw or a draw into a win. So, And for 54 points, you know, what is this, uh, 164 points or whatever of just value out of the nerdlings that they just do so so many things oh, yeah. for you they do a little bit of screening they do a little bit of of um of, you know what is the reach out and touch somebody a little a little hugging of of things sometimes you know and they help give you some cps and really unlock some uh give you an easy way to unlock some of these powers yeah, absolutely. So, uh what's by the way, we didn't say it I don't think at any point, but that was James McKenzie's list. Uh, who's recently been on the show, I do believe. Just about everyone we've talked to so far has been on the show at some point, except for perhaps our next guy on the England Lions, Simon Prittis, one of the few people to ever refuse an interview on this show. Um, hey, you, you want know, me to ask him for you, Val? You no, no, it's it's quite all right. <laughs> uh, we won't be calling again. Uh, the, yeah, the, uh, the, the list that he's running is kind of what Talon looked like before uh, Richard Siegler showed up. We got uh, three Riptides. We got a Cold Star Commander. We've got some shield drones, but not all of the shield drones. We've got what? Uh, 14? 24, it looks like. 
If you include the gun drones on the piranhas. There you go. Well, just, okay, true. Because there's five piranhas. Uh, and then we've got a uh, commander in a Cold Star battle suit and uh, an ethereal in that old, old school uh, Vanguard Sissiacept detachment so that you can get the uh, re-rolling marker lights. So this one, I mean, I don't know how it stands up these days. This is one of his uh, special chestnuts. I'm fairly certain he either won a... Uh, grand tournament with this list. If I'm pretty sure he was the piranha guy. There was someone who uh, who won like a GT heat or a grand tournament with a piranha screen, basically. So perhaps that's him. What do you guys think? Do you guys know much about the the mighty piranha? One of my favorite models in the town line. No. No. I, I've not. I've never faced them ever. No, that's correct. Because uh, yeah, you never see them. They've come down in points in basically every single chapter approved, and uh, they still don't really get on the table. They're just sort of a a fast skimmer type vehicle. Uh, they travel in packs, so they don't separate. So they're always victims of morale. Helps to have an ethereal nearby for them. Uh, they're interesting. They're like a good flying screen as far as Tau is concerned, except for shield drones. So uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Simon knows how to make it work. Well, this is actually almost brilliant just because he has only four things that a combat army could grab onto. This is pretty, this is, I can see why this works really, really well. Um, it's not a lot of drones, like we said, but with the piranhas there and the riptides, you literally only have four targets that are characters to grab onto. Yeah. I would put this up against Tyranids in a heartbeat, um, any, any kind of foot slogging force <laughs> that's going to take a while to get up the board. This would, this would a, pair well into orcs. That's a bold choice with saying take on the Tyranids. <laughs> well, not John Lennon's Tyranids. <laughs> well, that's a different story. That's a different story altogether. <laughs> that is also something that's a, that's a good point is, you know, a lot of WTC-style lists are going to have, uh, you know, very big horde elements, this team included. So those piranhas are kicking out a tremendous amount of shots. They've got two gun drones on them, uh, plus a heavy burst. Uh, sorry, plus a burst cannon, not a heavy burst cannon. So that unit itself is is going to be putting in a lot of anti anti-infantry shots downfield, but probably there just as a as a screen in front of the the main army when I've seen this deployed on the table. Um, uh, what, what I don't like here is there's only five command points. I mean, there's really not a lot of things beefing up anyway to uh, influences. So it, you know, once your command point burn or whatever doesn't even get you through a command point reroll for every turn of the game. Uh, much less being able to spread them out across a couple of phases. So you've 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 really got to uh, exist off of the strength of your army. And then and right now, I think a lot of other armies could could out trick you uh, with their with their spin. That might change now that Psychic Awakening's around. But uh, you know, Tau Tau, I think that's that's something that people were hip to a while ago. That you know the the liability of bringing up a lot of fire warriors or you know crude or whatever you got to do to fill out battalions is not really worth uh, the CP with what they have available to them. That changes now. That changes significantly because there's lots of cool stuff they want to spend CP on now. But you know there were some things out of the gates with Tau that were you know highly touted. But I think in the final analysis, the army's more efficient, just focusing on marker lights and the shooting it's got. Yeah, and I certainly don't want to explicitly armchair quarterback. I just know that you, I think you, you're going you're going to you're going to want some command points along the way, uh, and in the later rounds, especially if the tournament is designed to go later, that's a an interesting choice that you would specifically not have them or not position yourselves to have them. For sure. All right. Are we allowed to move on to Marcus Henson, guys? <laughs> hey, you're the boss. 
All right. Really? Oh, Pete's not here. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> trigger warning. Okay, so uh, we've got Marcus Henson. He's running uh, Imperial Fists. Isn't that interesting? Uh, oh, this is beautiful. This is the first time we've seen this in all of Eighth. Yes, a unit of five tactical marines with just bolters. I didn't even see that. Look at that. That's interesting. This is a moment. This is the first moment where I've actually really wanted to know why. <laughs> I, I maybe you had five points to spare. I think that's. I think that's exactly what it was. I, I mean, there is some value in the extra armor. There, I mean, for only five points. I mean, you got to think. Would imagine this. Like when you're building your army list, think about it. if you had a unit and you could spend five more points on it, 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 would you do to make give it a plus one armor save? Sometimes the answer is yes. I don't know. but I mean, that's against, you know, five bolter scouts who can infiltrate deploy. I don't know if it's worth it. Oh, no, you should, never, you should never do that when you're, when you're against <laughs> with scouts. But I mean, you know, that's, that's an option to take. It, it's certainly an option. There are lots, lots of options out there. This, this is the most interesting thing about this list to me. This is an imperial... Uh, Sorry, yeah, Imperial Fist list. Um, it's got some Thunderfire cannons and Eliminators and some Suppressors and the other Chestnuts, but it's Flyer Spam, guys. We got three Storm Talon gunships and two Stormhawk Interceptors and an Air Wing Detachment here. Uh, there's, there's uh, I guess, one Battalion, uh, so lower on the command points, but Imperial Fists, Air Force. I don't think I've ever seen this combo. What do you think they're going for with it? I dig it. The planes are just so deadly. They they put out so much firepower and and damage, essentially. And there's multiple guns on everyone. So you're you're looking at for for the point value, the number of things that you can threaten with each of these uh, is is pretty good. Uh, and you get the durability of being a marine, uh, and then you get the uh, the also the extra dependability of of being able to get a lot of a lot of work done in the Devastator Doctrine. So right as the game kicks off. Yeah, I also I, I was thinking to myself, you know, this is just always going to be better as Iron Hands because you know they're rerolling ones and they don't suffer a penalty for moving and shooting. However, I did notice here he's got a captain on bike. How's that? Did the captain on bike somehow survive Legends? Uh, yes. Uh, Captain on the Bike is in the Codex. Oh, wow. Uh, that is, yeah. I use this in, in my list when I play regular Marines as a, as a, um, a target for the burning blade. Yeah. Well, I mean, mostly what I was thinking is they don't really care about moving and shooting because the bike can hopefully keep up with them and, uh, give uh, them that sweet you make them a chapter bubble. Master, is, yes. That's what you do. You make him a chapter master and you scoot him along with them so they can, the fly, the flyers can move, he can advance and then he, he's able to, to put his, push his aura out yeah. to the planes yeah. uh, and, and keep up with him. So in the, that first couple of turns of the game, it's just, you're rerolling a lot. You're hitting, a, I mean, the, the storm talons are hitting ground targets on twos. The storm hawks are hitting uh, aerial targets on twos. You're rerolling. It's just reliable, um, mess you up stuff. Cool. All right, and then the final list of the champion Lions. Uh, we've got Conrad Bart Kiewitz, I believe is his full name, but he's just Conrad Bart and Tourney Keeper. Uh, here he is uh, running some Eldari. It's some, oh, okay. So we got a Death Jester, uh, Shadow Seer, Solitaire, five, uh, looks like uh, 10, 12 Skyweavers, and then a uh, Detachment of Craft Worlds with Headstrong and Hunters of Ancient Relics. I'm going to allow my co-hosts to quickly figure out what the hell those do. And uh, we got a Farseer Skyrunner, a Warlock Skyrunner, and Shining Spears. Two big units of, uh, of Shining Spears. Actually, not even that big. Just units of two units of six. And then a Supreme oh. Command with some, uh, with some Yanari characters. This is a lot of 
A lot of Eldar jank here, well over my head. Uh, do we have any Har- Eldar Harlequins fans? are another, they're B tier, right? Right on the cusp of of, uh, of being great. They were they were great last year this time. Uh, I don't know if they've kinda, ever been great. Uh, that man, uh, when you put, when you, things, they were handy, uh, they were handy in the night meta, yeah. Drukari, uh, Harlequins and Drukari things, you know, with the grotesque, that's, that's you know, that's eight months ago meta type stuff. Uh, but the haywire and the things you can do with the Harlequins still have a place, and uh, I think that that puts them solidly in the in that B tier thing, just waiting for a little bit of a bubble up. Yeah, this is very Sean Naden esque with the amount of just Eldar bikes you have flying around. So we looked it up: Headstrong and Hunter of Ancient Relics. Headstrong is add one to charge rolls, and Hunters of Ancient Relics is add um, all models within three inches of an objective add one to their attack characteristic. So he's going out and grabbing your objectives from you. He's going out and just hitting you, surrounding you with bikes. He's got the haywire that can take care of eagles if it needs to. Um, this is a very hit-and-run type of list. And the, the solitaire is basically like a heat-seeking missile of character destruction. And they I, can pretty, basically kill most, most things, really, but specifically really good at killing characters. I didn't even shout out the fact that the, I said some uh, some uh, Yanari characters. It's not really just the, the Yankarns in here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he's probably doing that stratagem where he can put uh the death jester the solitaire into your deployment zone you shoot one of those characters ah surprise it's the incarn (laughs) Uh, that's all you have to have all three of the characters there it's the and they all move over there and they got to be within six inches of each other and yes that's what happens you throw you throw them over there somebody gets killed and then it's like well now you got to deal with this guy how do you guys interpret what this strategy might be for for throwing out these lists who do you think you're leading off with on this one you're you're put out not caring what happens. Yeah. Uh, the orcs the orcs all day long. Yes. Really. Yeah, I, I think so. I think the orcs sometimes can can be intimidating as far as like you you get you don't get enough damage done and then they're still everywhere. Uh, or they have the or their shock attack guns go crazy. You don't you don't necessarily want to line up anything with a power piece or a power uh, singular unit against that many shock attack guns. I think they've been championing this over on the Otter of War a lot. The fact that these kind of extreme body lists are just absolute meta counters because everybody's teching uh, as Marines taking Stalker Bolt rifles or four Marines trying to get through Intercessor wounds. You don't necessarily need volume of fire. You need quality fire. And so when you don't have the volume and somebody drops 200-some-odd bodies on you, what are you going to do? Yeah, Your two-damage Bolt rifles don't do crap against 75 Grots. Yeah, they've, I mean, yeah, orcs I could see definitely being a lead-off. Also, that gives them the chance, potentially, of grabbing a table that favors them a little bit because they'll need something to take the blunt off of. Like, I mean, even on this team, there are there are lists that could, you know, take a big bite out of that many orcs for sure. Um, so, yeah, but you're right. I mean, even just whittling down, you know, a couple of those big boys units is going to take some effort. And he can just sort of use board control and try and outwit and outlast the, the opponent and doesn't necessarily need to get a 20L. He just needs to hang in there. And Space Marines are also a solid choice. I mean, you, you can't... They, 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 could, they can always find a way to be successful. Also, yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Any other, uh, any other thoughts about, uh, about the uh, Belgian team championships? I just actually pulled up Tom Higginbottom's... Um, scores and uh he was he he got blanked uh a 20 nil 15 nil uh, a 20 to uh 20 nil and a 13 point 
It's not a 15 nil. It would be a 15-5 and a 13-7. But there you go. Uh, he had uh, definitely a good row around and was, was getting points, whatever position he was playing. I'd also like to point out the fact that my boy Josh Roberts with the Grey Knights went undefeated. Yeah. I think that's less of a story these days, but also Josh Roberts is cool, so don't mind shouting him out. Hey, don't don't downplay. A lot of these Grey Knight players are coming out. Uh, they're getting their army off the shelf, which is, you know, there's a lot of reward in that. Hey, yeah, it's they've been the joke literally the entirety of 8th. And 7th. They can have this one. And 7th. And 6th. It's basically been since 5th. I didn't even know that stuff then. Anyway, let's <laughs> let's uh, let's let's uh, hit this this bump and then uh, maybe segue seamlessly into another formerly downtrodden faction. Tournament news. Hi, I'm Chris from Canhammer, and you're listening to 40K Stat Center. Okay, folks, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It's the reason Peter the Falcon took the week off. We are swinging over to Genghis Khan. You see what they did there? That's right. It's a Warhammer tournament taking place in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. It's get mile high. It's wacky. It's wonderful. It's Dark Angels won a GT. (laughs) Where is Ricky Addington and Adam Camilleri when you need him? So uh, let's let's have some some hot takes from the floor here. Uh, now, granted, this was a smaller GT. Peter tried to downplay it. He poo-pooed the level of competition. He talked some smack about it, and then he decided not to show up this week because he is so disturbed by the the rise of 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 Dark Angels to the top table. Um, but uh, what do you, what? How does that strike you guys? Because we were just talking about poor old Grey Knights, who, by the way, finished second at this tournament. What is happening, folks? Um, you know, we were just talking about the, the, the rise of Grey Knights. What about the rise of Dark Angels? <laughs> Turns out flyers are good. Uh, remember when we talked about, like, seeing Bigfoot in Australia? <laughs> no, but what? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, oh, you remember seeing Bigfoot in uh, Australia? Uh, that's that's going to be a soundbite forever. I I don't okay maybe Psychic Awakening gave him gave him a lot I mean there there are I know people the Dark Angel players have been uh, excited about some of the tricks and maybe they paid off but I think this has to be operating on the back of the strength of the Flyers that it's just sometimes they do work yeah I'm gonna so, bet the doctrines are helping as well okay so uh, good point yep very good point yeah doctrines are uh, kick in for sure. All right, guys, the spoiler alert. We actually got Ben Neal, the champion of, of Genghis Khan. I got some clips from him, so we're going to get some first-hand accounts. He's going to walk us through how his list operated, and then we're going to talk about it. Uh, so before we do that, I'm going to do an old-school list reveal here because it's special. Okay, Dark Angels won a GT. I don't think this has happened in 8th. I'm just going to throw that out there. Am I wrong about that? I don't, maybe I don't when think Nephilim, so. Maybe, maybe, when, maybe when the Jet Fighter was really strong, they won. Uh, I think they won. They were very good. I think they've won some games. I don't think they've ever taken the podium before. So this is this isn't very impressive. Historic, historic Ben Neal. Oh, and by the way, Ben Neal, folks, you might recognize that name. You know why? Because he ran, perhaps the most lulzy uh, Iron Hands list ever. He ran the Invincible Excelsior, uh, and won a GT around Colorado in Colorado, uh, right when Iron Hands dropped. So, anywho, thought that was funny. So why don't we run down this list? He's got an airwing detachment with uh, three Ravenwing Dark Talons. 
He's got another air-wing detachment with three Nephilim jet fighters, so that's not too shabby already. And then we got a Spearhead detachment, Dark Angels. We got a Ravenwing Talon Master. Those are good. Samael and a in Sable Claw, also good. We've got Elite in the Elite slot. We've got two Invictor Tactical War suits with uh, Iron Hail. No. Best unit we've seen. Best data slate at, on the service level we've seen in, in forever. Oh, wow. That is that is high praise. It's got the Insidium. It's got the Flamers. Okay, guys, that's what I've been trying to say for like two minutes. And then under Fast Attack, we got another. We got a Ravenwing Dark Shout, Shroud. And in Heavy Support, three Eliminator Squads. Because everyone needs three units of Eliminators, right? Uh, yes. All right. So why don't I kick it over to Ben Neal now, and he's going to run us through some of his experiences at Genghis Khan. Peter, I've really heard that you hate Dark Angels, but I know you love the last list I talked about on the show. So I'm hoping that this next one can really bring you over to the side of uh, the totally not Chaos Space Marines. Don't worry about it. Uh, certainly Ravenwing, I think, is the most viable way to play Dark Angels coming out. Uh, I did toy around with a combined list for a little bit using the uh, a big Deathwing Night Bomb that would deep strike uh, six inches away with the stratagem for the bikers in addition to the six planes, but I was really missing the uh, Eliminators and the Invictors in that list, so this is what I ended up taking to the event, and the Eliminators performed exceptionally well, as did the Invictors, as really good midfield presence that uh, <clears throat> is just great for a Dark Angels army. Uh, the Eliminators also really benefit from the Dark Angels chapter tactic and doctrine. The list has a massive Alpha Strike potential while also being able to deploy pretty defensively. Generally, my game plan was deploy way back in the corner, hide a lot of stuff out of line of sight like the Eliminators, if I could, the Invictors, keep the characters safe by hiding them either in the plane bubble or just behind the uh, Eliminators. And then the six flyers back in the corner, out of range of a lot of the opponent's stuff in the Dark Shroud bubble, if the opponent did have long range. And then really using their high movement to position, stay in the bubble of my rerolls, and the uh, Talonmaster buff for ignore cover and move and shoot with no penalty for heavy weapons with his Warlord trait. And then really just kiting the enemy and move blocking a lot with the Flyers late game. Uh, the list has a lot of strong matchups. Uh, there's a ridiculous amount of firepower that comes out. It's throwing out around 140 strength 4, 5, and 6 shots that all hit on 2's rerolling, uh, reroll 1's to wound, and ignore cover. So there's very high potential for horde killing. There's also a lot of AP minus 2 shots in addition to the rift cannons and las cannons for anti-tank. Uh, the only really weak matchup, I would say, would be Imperial Fists, just because they're all getting plus one damage on their uh, <coughs> heavy weapons against vehicles, and a Chapter Master can really get around the minus two to hit. Ben Neal, everybody, hero to Dark Angels across the world. Uh, talking about how, you know, he doesn't feel like there's a lot of bad matchups. I mean, this is, you know, your flyer-heavy list. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, what would you be hoping to be playing with uh, when you saw this across the field from you? Well, I, I bet that the Invictor Warsuits, again, I, I love those things. I think they probably cause a little bit of target confusion for his opponents. 
Absolutely, especially with the flyers being minus two to hit off the jump, um, you're gonna you're already disincentivized from trying to shoot them down, um, and then everything else is probably in hiding, and that's those are the only things you can see. Yeah, you can play cat and mouse with those invictors too. He doesn't necessarily need to bring them up in your grill and 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 force that pressure. Um, yeah, I guess there there's definitely some moves here, although. Well, well, with the Flyers, I mean, you know, he's talking about how he has a lot of shots, especially a lot of things that can chew up uh, things even in the Horde armies or he does pretty well against uh, elite base forces. That's good. But if you if you take your eye off the ball with those Flyers, you, you've wasted time like you, you they're they going to be where a lot of the damage comes out, like we talked about in some of the other lists. And, and so if you do have something that that makes your opponent think, let me divert a few shots to them, or maybe they fired a flyer, don't do as much damage as they think they should, then they then they change their course to start firing at the Invictor. You've basically dominated them in turn one. Absolutely. The uh, he made mention to the chapter tactic and the doctrines of Dark Angels. I don't think he actually said what they were. Do you guys know off the top of your head what what do Dark Angels actually do now? Okay, so they have Grim Resolve, which lets them reroll all hit rolls of one uh, for that unit whenever it shoots, as long as it did not move. However, they have their Chapter Master for that, so they're not worried about that. What what they're really getting is the Relentless Hunt, which is while the Devastator Doctrine is active, the range characteristic of all heavy and rapid fire weapons equipped on a Dark Angels unit is increased by six inches, and the range of all, of all their assault and pistol weapons are increased by three. So this allows them to play a better game of cat and mouse with those flyers like he was talking about. He can hang back a little bit. He doesn't have to use their full movement. You know, your, your hurricane bolters on some of those things, they're going to rapid fire a little uh, little further out. But also, like you were saying, for the eliminators, eliminators specifically, that lets them uh, touch things a little further away and incentivizes them never to leave Devastator Doctrine. Shocker. Um, because we all know how Marines love that doctrine. Uh, eliminators are such a, a, they're, they're cheap. You know, you get a, with a squad of three for 72 points or something, something close to that, uh, plus or minus a couple of points and you can fire out a lot of sight. And so if you get something that makes that better, like a doctrine or whatever, they're even more advantageous to take. Yeah, Paul, you guys were just talking about this on Force Narrative, right? About how nobody likes characters at all or having them or buffs or abilities or any of any kind. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, right. Well, some some of the characters just aren't designed to uh, withstand that type of firepower. And and so if you can't prevent them from shooting you at all, I mean, be outside of just being outside of range, and then if you find a way to overcome what that range ban increasing their threat might be, you know, you got you got a leg up against a lot of the field out there. Absolutely. And I just want to, before we wrap up our Genghis Khan coverage, just shout out to Colin K, second place. Not sure exactly how his record broke out, but guess what he was running, guys? Gray Knights. Look out. And it was a double paladin uh, experiment as well. This one, though, not double battalions. So maybe that's the difference, guys. You need more strikes. You need those battalions. But the story of this tournament, folks, again, Dark Angels bagged one in the Rocky Mountains. Folks, Let's hit a bump for our last segment. Well, let me, before we get off of this, if you don't mind. I do mind, but go ahead. Tyranids <laughs> in third place. I don't even know what third place is. Well, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's still walking it's away Hydra. with bronze. You still walk. I mean, that, that's a podium finish what with Tyranids. I mean, this, 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 uh, this, uh, this finish is like a throwback to. It's not a good list, and he went four and two, and the guy and the guys that beat him were the first two. Well, hey man, sometimes you just gotta back your way into third place, right? <laughs> I mean, whatever gets you there. 
Score points is scoring points. I've, I've gone four and two the hard way before. You know, oh, that's very true. It's something. Well, I mean, look, it's it's a it's a something we don't often talk about, but somebody plays the guy that goes all the way. <laughs> that's right. So that's you know what, true. guy guy in third place, you have a name, and we're gonna say it, Matt Evans. Matt Evans making tiered players around the world, except for Tony. Uh, proud of you. So I'm now. If I have permission from the fellow circle jerkers to move on to the next circle jerk? By all means. All right, here we go. Tournament news. Hi, I'm Stephen Box from Vanguard Tactics, and you're listening to the one and only 40K Stats Center. Ah, thank you, Stephen. That's very kind. Now, to close out the show, we had a lot of tournaments last week, so we're going to do things a little bit differently. Because, you know... Oh, yeah, there we go. We hear a lot about the Iron Hands, and, you know, sometimes the people out there, they're not as excited about Iron Hands as maybe we are, or the people who won the tournament. So let's, let's just get some nice vibes going here, because, Tony, out of all the tournaments last week, how many of them were won by Iron Hands? Eight. Jeez. Out of 20. Jeez Louise, that's eight out of all of the top fours, right? Yeah, that's 40% of the top fours. 40% of the top fours were Iron Hands. So let's not besmirch these people because obviously they're winning GTs. They're having good runs. So why don't we just give them some lovable shout outs? And uh, before we even get to that, Tony, of those, do you want to pick one? Did anyone have a unique flavor of Iron Fist? Um, no. All right then. <laughs> are we talking about the character with the mystical punch or are we uh well i mean whatever Wait. you know however you want to interpret that so why don't we just start running them down a little bit here so we had winter warfare actually not won by iron hands but it was won by george white who you might remember from early seasons of tabletop tactics uh george white if i recall correctly ran five Actually, this is really funny. He ran five nights into, I believe, a 7th edition Iron Hands list and lost so badly. He's uh, never returned to the channel. He's back with Raven Guard. He won that. Boris Michev, who, who called his shot, he said he was going to win Winter Warfare last weekend with his Iron Hands. <laughs> you know, Boris did ask us why we didn't reach out to him, but uh, Boris, interviews are for closers. That's right. And for weeks where I get my stuff together. Next, we have Echoes of War. Uh, another tournament held last week. This one run and won by J.C. Burren with Iron Hands. Guys, what do you think about this list? Um, There's a Chaplain Venerable Dreadnought in it. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. We got and, some Infiltrator uh, stuff. We got a Ferrius. Oh, Leviathan Dreadnought. Oh, is there a Relic Leviathan? Get out. There's a Relic Leviathan. Oh, well, all right. You know what? Tip of the cap to you, Jay Seaburn. With your iron hands went. Way to go. Next up, we've got the Glasshammer GT. So we know that there's some quality competition here. The person who won with iron hands at this tournament actually probably had to beat a lot of iron hands to do it. So let's not, again, besmirch the one, the only, uh, once upon a time, UK's finest 40K player, Mike Porter with a big win at the Glass Hammer GT. I'm going to pretend this is chaos so I can keep my sanity. Good job, Mike Porter, with winning with chaos. <laughs> Way to go, Alpha Legion. 
Rounding out the Iron Handies from last weekend, we've got Daniel Hester's. His friends call him Danny. And he also won with Iron Hands at the Dicehead GT. And you know who else podiumed with Iron Hands at the Dicehead GT? We had Uncle Bobby and Davis Messer. I don't know why I'm mentioning them, but they all ran Iron Hands. But you know who didn't? Ryan Snyder in third place, guys. He was running a giant Custodes airplane. And all of the grav in existence. <laughs> that comes in handy. I'm just looking at Daniel Hester's, just so everyone knows. He ran uh, a Relic Leviathan Dreadnought. <laughs> but he mixed in three Stormhawk Interceptors. So he's a bit of a snowflake. All right, sounds like the segment's over, everybody. And you know what? I think this vibe is just treating me so well. I think we're going we're gonna to use it to close out the show. We've hit up... <laughs> We've hit up all of the Iron Hand winners. Uh, there may have been a couple from the week before, but it's okay. Uh, we'll Look, let me jump on. in for just a second here, if I can. Please, uh, take been, the mic. It's been raining in Georgia for, I don't know, what seems like ever. Mm-hmm. So there's no sunshine in my life right now. Oh. Uh, except what we just talked about. Like, we, we did talk about a lot of Iron Hands victories, but in some of these more uh, other notable tournaments, we talked about some factions being out there in the world. Heck yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's enough to rival them, but you had to expect that some of these people had to beat their way through Iron Hands players. You know, maybe maybe there's a brighter meta in the future. We've got orcs getting rules next week. We're gonna start seeing the new face of Tau. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the, the the hegemony of the Space Marine meta is coming to an end, and we don't even know what might be coming our way later on in 2020. So hey, uh, you know what's coming your way, folks, or has already come this week is a bunch of great content from the Frontline Gaming Network of podcasts. You had me hosting Chapter Tactics just earlier this week. Reese and Pablo were rocking it out on Signals from the Frontline. And on Art of War, there was somebody whose name I can't quite remember. But next week is Lawrence Baker. Before we sign off, is there anything that you fellas would like to add? Thanks for having me. I've had a great time. It was great again, guys. Thanks for having me. That was just as riveting as what Pete usually says. Bye-bye. This has been 40K Stat Center, a presentation of the Frontline Gaming Podcast Network. Like what we do? Subscribe to and rate us on YouTube and wherever podcasts can be found. Join the conversation. Follow 40K Stat Center on Facebook. You can also support the show directly by joining the Chapter Tactics Patreon and competitive 40K in general via the ITC Patreon or by grabbing a subscription to BCP. BCP.